this is Joy. And this is Claire. And this is Joy and Claire. A weekly podcast talk show about the things that bring us together. Make us happy. Make us whole. Make us human. Hey guys, this is Joy. And this is Claire. And this is Wayne's World. Oh my gosh, if only. <sighs> what did you think of their Super Bowl commercial? Did you watch that? No, I did not. Oh, uh, well, it was just like a really cute Wayne's World commercial. And they, it's like you have that nostalgia for watching Wayne's World for the first time. But obviously, they're a lot older. And you're like, wow, they're they're so much older. They are getting quite like old. Like you you are very aware of your age when you're like I wa-. so I remember yeah. watching that movie and I'm sure you were a lot younger so this was like a very different experience for me. I was in I believe it was 7th grade when this movie came out for me so you would have been like a little tiny kid. <laughs> you would have been I'm a little baby. And I'm looking to see what year it came out, the original. Yeah. Because I remember this was such a big deal. And I didn't have cable growing up. So I didn't get like to watch anything on cable. Obviously, this was like an SNL skit, but I didn't really watch a lot of SNL. And so I didn't really get to kind of like see all the, the fun shows growing up. But when Wayne's World came out, like the movie came out, it was such a big deal that I remember going, this would never happen today, but I remember going to the theater and sitting on the floor because there were no chairs. Somehow oh my they gosh. like oversold. And we watched Wayne's World just sitting on the floor. And it was so funny. That sounds amazing. No, it came out in 1992. I was four years old for most of 1992. Yeah, that's definitely, that would be like right when I started seventh grade. Yeah, I... Maybe eighth grade. Anyway, yeah. I watched matter. Wayne's World a lot as a kid. It was like my favorite movie when I in my teenage years in college. So I've seen it so many times. I absolutely love it. Oh, it's, it's so good. So the funny. reason why we, we opened with that is before we started recording, we were doing like the three, two, one point thing where he, you know, it's like on Wayne's World. You guys know what I'm talking about? I hope you do. Three, if not- two, one. <gasps> guys, <laughs> you're nodding. <laughs> if Benjamin was an ice cream flavor, he'd be pralines and dick. And dick. <laughs> oh no, that's one of my favorite ones. Such a good one. Benjamin is nobody's. Oh friend. my gosh. So you watched that as a kid or when you were older? When I got a little older, because yeah. like by the time that I was like, I mean, I was really little when it came out, and then it sort of like had its moment. It kind of came back around when I was in high school. Yeah, I really appreciate movies that have that like return of popularity, mm-hmm. and I wonder if people, the younger generation, were you really into Tommy Boy when that came out? Because you were probably younger for that too. I mean, Tommy, Tommy Boy, Boy was, was like my age group. I was a little young for that. But I was old enough to, like, be influenced. I was old enough, you know, for all the, like, boys in my middle school class to be doing it, or, like, my late elementary school class to be doing it. I mean, Tommy Boy was, like, I think I think I've said this before. My friends in high school worked at a movie theater. So we would, oh, I kid you not, every weekend, when the theaters closed, we would get to go into the theater all by ourselves, and we would watch Tommy Boy. So I think I watched that movie about a hundred times. That's the year an of amazing memory. 1995. It's a great memory. It's a great memory. We um like my my twin brother and I always watched movies that were like way too old for us because our brothers, my half brothers, are seven and ten years older, and they would always babysit us. So we also yeah. were like always watching movies that probably were not age appropriate whatsoever. But my parents yeah. didn't really, they either probably just weren't paying attention. I definitely feel like Mike Myers in particular, like I've seen, and, and I guess Dana Carvey, like you see pictures of him now and you're like, yeah, you're definitely like getting older. Yeah. And like Tia Carrere, is it Tia Carrere? What was her name? Oh, she was just amazing. Like everyone was so. I just think it's like 
when you have those those iconic characters in your mind, it can be so shocking when you see a celebrity in real life and you're like, wait a minute, you don't look the still the way you did in 1982? Yes. Like, that's how it's I'm like always... burned it's like in you, your like, memory. When you see a kid who you knew as like a baby and then you see them when they're in high school and you're like, no, 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 no. Yeah. And I think Tia Carrere's, I'm switching the conversation slightly to just like body image because I remember, you know, like at that age, you're just not aware of like, I don't know. It, well, I, right. I, sh- I should say my age, like 1995, when I was like, no, that was Tommy Boy. 1992. 1992 is like, you know, that was seventh, eighth grade for me. And being like aware of this like bombshell body and being like, how do you get a body like that? I thought you like just got a, like somehow you could get a body like that. You could just like, you could just like grow in, those boobs. You could just send yeah, you're like, eventually, it, it eventually I could look like that in a dress. And that yeah. is just kind of where things all go wrong in our thinking. It's like, <laughs> no, 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 that's just not how it works. That's not how biology works. And you are going to have larger shoulders and that's okay, Joy. I remember thinking that about wanting black hair. And the only reason was because like I had like a catalog of, and like the girl who had this outfit on that I really liked had black hair. And I was like, well, I want to look like that. I want black exactly hair. Exactly like her. And mm-hmm. I was like, and I just went to my mom and I was like, I want black hair. And she was like, you can't just have black hair. <laughs> I was like, what? Why not? Well, you I, could look like, like Gwen Stefani. Conversation. And I probably was like seven. And that was the first yeah. time that I ever was like, I want to look like that person. I just like people just choose, right? Like I can just like decide that's how I want to look. Like, no. that's Yeah. And you could have, yeah, that's kind of where we start the comparison trap is being like, well, I want to look like that. I want to look like Gwen Stefani with my micro buns. Yeah. Exactly. That one, though, clearly was very attainable and I nailed it. So I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I think you posted a picture of that one year, didn't you? I did. Recently, I reposted on our Instagram story. So good. So good. It was a good one. Like, how did your friends react when that happened? They thought when that it was look so happened? cool. I don't know. <laughs> of course they Somebody did. who knew me in, high, in middle school was probably like, no, Claire, we did not think you were cool. <laughs> but we knew we just had to like let it happen. Oh my god! I don't remember Do you- any like negative feedback whatsoever from anybody about yeah. my micro buns and my like rhinestone bindi horrible cultural appropriation beads. Right. All over my face. You were too young to know better. I mean. Now you know better. You now, wouldn't do that. Could you imagine doing that now? Oh, my gosh. No, I literally no. cannot. I can't imagine Gwen Stefani doing it either. Right. It was the whole thing. But no, yeah, looking back, like, I feel like that's the beauty of middle school is that, for me at least, I didn't really start to care quite as much what other people thought until high school. And in middle school, mm. it was still just like, yeah, I'm going to do that. I don't care. Right. I'm sure I did consider what other people thought. But for the most part, I was like, yeah, this looks awesome. Like, no one can tell me otherwise. Oh, that's such a, I would love to time travel back to meet that Claire. I mean, I don't feel like I'm that different. Other than the <laughs> fact that I just don't have that long to do my hair in the morning. It's not that I, it's, a lot it's not that I care more about what other people think. It's that I personally care less about spending that right. much time on my hair. Right. That's fair. Yeah. So that was a good memory lane trip. I was just like, oh, do you remember Delia's? Did oh my you get the magazine yes. Delia's? I was yeah. obsessed. <gasps> With Delia. Were you really? That was like, because I feel like Delia's might have even been a little late for you. It was late. It was when I was in college and I was kind of like no. just on the end of, yeah, I was like just on the end of being like, I don't know if I could pull off that look, but I was still young enough to be like interested. It was like late middle school, early high school for me. So it was like prime. Perfect demographic. Yeah. Prime Delia's. Delia's. And then <sighs> there was one other one and I'm totally blanking. Alloy. People don't know what I'm, yeah, if people don't know what we're talking about. It's a, it was a magazine where you could just, like, this is pretty catalog. Yeah, it was a catalog of like cute fashion, like, think reality. Reality Bites. Reality Bites is like the exact magazine It was just like catalog. so unbelievably 90s. Like everything about it, like bucket hats, bell bottoms, like the dill tankinis. Like Ugh. I love Delia so much. And there was another one called Alloy that I also loved that is apparently not around anymore. 
and I just Googled it. Alloy. La- less wow, iconic those are like the platform. Yes. I Dang. wanted platform. All I wanted was like those platform Steve Madden sandals. And oh, those. Okay. I had those. I had those Everyone platform had those sandals. Steve, they were the, like the slides. Yes. And they were all platform. There wasn't a like heel. It no. was just. It was flat just a, as a pancake up yep. platform. You were just walking flat. on a three oh. and a half inch wedge of plastic so everywhere you went. Not a wedge. I will never. Block. Not a wedge. Just a platform. <laughs> oh my God. Delia's so good. So good. And the makeup. I think that's where I got my glitter obsession. And the chokers. Yes. It's so good. Oh my gosh. I I also remember the first time I ever like went big on eyeshadow. It was like I bought it at Claire. No, not Claire's. The icing, which oh. was like the cooler spinoff brand from Claire's for okay. you know the sophisticated tween, and <laughs> and I had this like frosty blue eyeshadow, and I remember just putting it everywhere and my friend came over and and I like opened the door in my frosty blue eyeshadow and she was like Claire you're wearing way too much eyeshadow those are the first words out of her mouth and I was like shut up Jessica you don't know you don't know me and my you don't know me and my frosty blue eyeshadow I oh so good you weren't supposed to notice somehow do you remember your first makeup I mean that had to be up there I will never forget my because like did you need permission from your parents to wear no that's the other thing is like okay okay so you have to remember I have a lot of siblings so they so probably many by. siblings and like <laughs> by far I was the most well-behaved one so I think my parents were like I don't even like I was She's anything good. that I was doing was so low on the priority list to manage that my parents did not care what I wore what I like they didn't have any hence any, the micro buns yeah. right hence yeah. the micro buns they didn't care what I wore they didn't care if I wore makeup or not they didn't care what I did in my hair you know every once in a while I'd like call my mom from the mall because I needed my mom would just give me a blank check to go to the mall <gasps> let, let me get something straight it was for a single what? item right I was like to go buy like a t-shirt at like, oh okay I was like because <laughs> like one blank check you can only check out at one store right that's so fair would, yeah yeah so I would go to like you know buy like the Tommy Hilfiger t-shirt at Lucky's that said Tommy oh my Girl gosh. on it yeah but like they just didn't care at all so uh yeah never in my life did I have to ask permission for that type of thing see I I was kind of the same way my parents really trusted my brother and I but there was definitely a kind of like moment where my mom got me makeup for Valentine's Day when I was in eighth grade from Avon gosh love it (laughs) gotta love it and it was really great because she got me like the best mascara and blush and makeup it was kind of like this blessing of you can wear makeup now And so I totally remember that. I was so excited. I thought that was like the cutest thing. Like it still warms my heart thinking about that when she got me this makeup bag for Valentine's Day. Where I was like, oh my gosh, I can finally wear makeup. Yeah. Which by the way, Avon, I don't know if they still have it. Anyone out there, please tell me. Or or, you know what? I could Google. (laughs) I could easily Google this. Avon used to have the best mascara. It was called Wash Off Waterproof. And it was the best mascara because it was kind of like that tubing stuff, but not the tubes that are like super tubey. You can still buy it for the uh, fair price of $10. It's still on Avon? Avon.com. Wash off waterproof. $10. It's the best mascara. It would like. It has 2,500 reviews. It is so easy to take (laughs) off. I'm not kidding. I loved it. I wore this all through college. I would always order it through Avon. 
little known secret, the best mascara, Avon wash off waterproof. You should get it and see if it holds so up good. to like your, your. I really should. I'm gonna like day. write that down. I'm gonna text you this link right now. Okay. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I love that I like crowdsource things and then I'm like I could just Google that. But I you know. know as we're recording, it's it hard to Google up. and talk at the same time. Okay. But that was really fun when I got to wear makeup for the first time. I don't remember like I was really, really conservative with my clothing and especially because I went to pretty conservative high school where people didn't wear like booty shorts. I guess we did like for, you know, cheer and stuff. But, you know, in Arizona, you're always wearing shorts. So it's like not a big deal to be wearing shorts. But I never wore crop tops or, you know, even bikinis. I was really weird about wearing a bikini um, as a kid and even as a teenager. So one pieces were like my comfort zone. And I'd like kind of look at, I guess this is where I show my age where I'm like, oh, kids these days, they're just like posting like naked selfies of themselves on the internet. I'm like, I'm so glad I'm not. I'm so I'm glad, so I'm not glad a teen that right the now. internet was not around when I so was glad. Age. So glad. But you know what? I'm sure the generation before us said the same thing about something that they're like, I'm so glad this wasn't around when right. I was a kid. But freeway calling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just survived my three-way call attack. Oh, my goodness. Anyway. All right. So. So, wait. Wait. I have a question. This came up the other day. Or I was like, I don't know if we should, if I should air this on the podcast, but did you ever do anything that was like, like, did you ever steal anything? Or did you do any kind of like criminal activity as a kid? No. Honestly, I didn't. And I feel like. <laughs> like a rebellious this phase. This like the like, miscongeniality. I did. I stole red panties. Um, My mom wouldn't let me have them. She said they were Satan's panties. <laughs> <laughs> That's not real. That's not a story from my childhood. That's from miscongeniality. In case yes, anyone any, doesn't know what I'm talking any about. law enforcement listening to Yeah, in case show. anyone is like, why does that sound familiar? No, I didn't. And I think it was like a combination of, I don't know, it just never like, I never had a rebellious streak. I never felt like I had really? anything to prove. Yeah. I think it's because I just watched all my siblings like, just be a giant mess all the time and I was like I don't yeah. need to be a giant mess like they're they're being a giant mess for me I do remember one time when I was in middle school this is hysterical to think about this it might even have been late middle late elementary school my best friend Nicole Koch whose last name is spelled like my current day last name except pronounced Koch and in case anyone out there doesn't know this my last name is pronounced Cook but because she was my best friend growing up and her last name was pronounced Koch it took me like 10 years to pronounce my name correctly in my own head. I'd be like, Claire Koch, nope. <laughs> so she and I, I remember one time, we lived like on opposite sides of the same neighborhood and we went under like this little walkway, walking bridge into like this, you know, little concrete tunnel and just sat in there and just yelled curse words. <gasps> no way! And I just remember thinking like, oh my gosh, we're gonna like, yeah, we're just gonna get Someone's down Someone's gonna and hear gonna, us. Like, yell. Yeah, and I'm sure like, even if you heard that, you heard two girls like hiding under a bridge yelling curse words and then giggling i, would I think would, that's the most adorable thing in the world and i'd be like can i join you this is the cutest i would like i would text you i'd be like you'll never guess what i just heard like it yeah. was so cute i'm sure to, yeah, like so you cute. know but we thought we were just such rebels yeah that's, that's really the closest cute. thing i ever came to like doing something uh, rebellious what about uh, you see i have like more of a i don't mom if you're listening to <laughs> joy my mom. you're 43 years old i know i can't disappoint my mom <laughs> I can't disappoint my mom. <laughs> um, she would just laugh at this because I'm sure she has stories too. Like she always tells her stories of cruising Santa Monica Boulevard, um, you know, because she grew up in LA and just like, you know, hanging out with the softball team. Oh my gosh, it's so cute how she talks about her her rebellious streak. Anyway, when I was, so I have two. When I was in sixth grade, I've started kind of experimenting with curse words. Like, you know, that time in your life where you're just kind of like experimenting with how it like how it feels to be like shit <laughs> when 
your kid. Yes, that's exactly it, why I hid under a bridge and just screamed curses. Yes, yeah, and you're just like, this is like a new thing for me. I mean, let's be honest, being a kid and a teenager is like the most fun thing in the world, but you're so wanting to be older, but part of me wants to be like, no, stay young, it's so fun. But I, when I was in sixth grade, I would write letters, you know how like, I'm sure they still do this, please tell me they still do this, like pass notes back and forth with their friends. It's texting now, they text. I know, but it makes me sad, like, please write a note. Like, I want to pass notes. So I was passing notes with my friend, uh, Jenny, Jennifer Whiting, and she somehow like a note, we were just we would write notes to each other that were like filthy language just to be like rebellious. Like, I don't know what we were talking about, but it was just filthy language. And so I remember sitting in the lunchroom. And someone got the note, like, I guess she was passing the note or something. And a teacher got a hold of it, or I think the principal got a hold of it. And I thought my life was over, like over. I was like, my life, that's it. My life is over. I'm going to die. And he called me to into his office, Mr. Mason. And he was like, so he couldn't, he could not have been more kind. He was like, I know you're just experimenting at this age, but I just want you to know. And I was like bawling. It was just like the sweetest thing because I was crying and he was so compassionate and I'll never, ever forget that. He was just like understanding. I know this is a time in your life when you're experimenting. Like he knew I was a good kid and and I was so upset. He's like, if you just need to just like walk the halls for a while because, you know, in Arizona, everything's outside. Yeah. So I was like walking the breezeways, like just for the afternoon. He's like, just calm down like get you know catch your breath and then when you're ready you can go back to class I mean I will never forget that kindness because like it could easily have been like how dare you you don't use this language and he was just and I considered him kind of intimidating he was a very tall statured man that kind of had a serious face and and I thought my life is over. He wasn't going to be understanding. And I will just never forget like the kindness of that. And of course, and here you were like, couldn't even speak through sobs. And he probably was like, Oh, my gosh, this girl, like, of all the things that is so funny, right? You like you were reacting like you'd just been caught with like a locker full of drugs. Right? Yeah, like I'd murdered someone. And I was just because the thought at (laughs) that age a dead body in your locker. (laughs) Nope. Joy wrote some choice words. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just like at that age too, you know, I guess still you kind of like have that carryover of like not wanting to disappoint anybody or being Mm -hmm. seen as a bad kid. Like I would just, or disappointing your parents. I'm like, oh my God, my mom's going to kill me. And he never told my parents. He never told my, I think I told my parents the story at some point, but like he never called my parents. So I didn't get in trouble at home. I just like, that was just so, so cute. And then I went through a phase in like early college where I smoked cigarettes for like a hot minute. And it wasn't like a daily thing, but I definitely had that like smoking at parties and, you know, hiding at my house. Sometimes I'd like go in the side of the house to smoke outside like my parents' house because I lived at home in college. And I'm like, for sure. I'm like, how did my parents not know that I was like, you know, smoking sporadically? I mean, because when you, if you come inside from smoking a cigarette, you, your whole body smells like cigarettes. 100%. Right? I'm like, how did, how do you, smart joy thinking I'm like, like, oh, I'm totally hiding this. And yeah, it was just really funny. But yeah, I don't think I like had like a super rebellious streak. It's really funny because I considered myself, ki- oh man, like even to this day, I'm very much the sober person at the party. Um, not that I don't drink, but even in college, I would, I had a rule that I wouldn't drink during the week because I was like, I have to get my schoolwork done. And I was so terrified of failing any classes and that I knew my parents were paying, like helping me to pay for college 
that I was like, there's no way I'm throwing this money away. I was just so scared of like not doing well in college. So I had this very strict rule with myself that if I had any grades slipping whatsoever, that I would stop drinking completely or, you know, on the weekends when you start, yeah, like on the weekends when you start drinking in college, it was almost like a, like every Friday and Saturday night thing. And I'll never forget that. I was like, my rule is if my grades start dropping, I'm like immediately shutting down the partying. And and then the way I kind of like made sense of that too, is like absolutely no partying during the week. (laughs) And so now even like in my 20s, I think back and I'm like, it's so funny how I kind of carried that on because I never really got totally wasted at parties. I was pretty under control. I always got home before midnight. Like my friends in my 20s always called me Cinderella because they're like, I would always leave before <laughs> midnight and never stayed up really, really late. Because I, I guess too, I hate the feeling of like sleeping in late and being groggy the next of the day. Like the rest of the day, like if I went to bed really, really late and I woke up super late, I would always feel like crap the rest of the day. Like if I'd been drinking out, out that long. So it's just so funny how these rules I made up for myself that I was just like, and now I go to bed at like eight o'clock. So it just really was a, like sleigh ride to 40 is an actual real thing. It it's starts so in your 20s. So we were, Joy and I were texting about this day because I um, was trying to find like a spare dose of a vaccine. We like thought there might be one. And so I was going to go ask. And I was like, I I'm not worried about getting the vaccine. I'm like nervous about asking and walking in and being like, hi, right. do you have any spare vaccine doses? And, yeah. and Joe was like, yeah, no, I get it. I'm such a rule follower. Like it would freak me out too. I ended up asking. Ugh. They didn't have any. By the way, if anyone is is like worried about doing that, it was a very pleasant experience. They were very, yeah. very nice. They're like, oh yeah, so go nice. right through there and ask. And the lady was like, I'm so sorry we don't have any today, but like always check back. Sometimes we're looking. So, yep. you know, but all that. Yeah, saying, and they're always... Yeah, they're always very nice. I mean, even at the clinic I work at, people come by all the time. And it's not a lot because, you know, most people have to have an appointment, but you just never know. And it's not to say like swarm places asking for extras. But at this point, you know, we're moving closer to where everyone is going to be eligible to get the vaccine. So um, I think more places I'm not speaking for every state, every facility um, is looking to just vaccinate people. (laughs) So if they have extras, they want to put shots into arms. All that to say that like, just the asking was like, I felt like I was like, it's so scary. Totally. I don't want them to think totally. that I'm like being greedy. I don't want them to think that I'm yes. like being an ambulance chaser. Yeah, absolutely. I totally get that. I, I still have a hard time like asking for things if I feel like I'm, I don't know, overstepping boundaries or kind of, mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, but I get right, what you're You don't want to like be a bother. Be a bother. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. Honestly, how many of us have like done that in our lives where we've kept ourselves from doing something that was like totally benign because we didn't want to be a bother? Or like even something as simple at a restaurant of sending a plate back. I'm sure we've- Have you, you know, ever sent a plate back? Like, nope. I haven't either. Never. My dad does it sometimes. So the only time- <laughs> John Hay. Of course, John Hay. Yeah. It's like, this croissant is not yeah, this <laughs> crispy. I mean, like, I would kidding. send something back, but only time I've ever sent something back, and this has maybe only happened, like, twice, is if truly they brought out the wrong thing. Right. And it's like, hey, Like, listen, the 100% wrong thing. Right. Like, I ordered a burger, and you just handed me a bowl of spaghetti. Right. Like, this is incorrect. But, like, even if something comes out, and I was like, oh, I wanted, you know, a certain type of cheese, and it's the wrong, a different, the wrong type of cheese, or I ordered oh, a side I salad, and they brought yeah. me fries, I would just eat it. Yeah. Yeah. Something pretty minor. So, you know, right now, the only time I think I would for sure send it back is if it had dairy on it, where I'm like, yeah, I can't eat dairy right, right. now. But other than that, I'm like, whatever, right. I'll just eat this. It's fine. It's not, like, toxic. No. Yeah. It's not going to kill you. Anyway, so how was your date night? Tell us about Brandon's birthday getaway. Yeah. So this weekend, this past weekend, um, so Brandon's birthday was Pi Day. 
3.14, March 14th. And last weekend, um, we had a giant snowstorm. And so we didn't plan anything. And so this weekend, we went down and we stayed at the night at the Crawford Hotel, which is in Union Station in downtown Denver. And we went to Tavernetta, which is a really super delicious, fancy restaurant that's like within a, a one minute walk of Union Station. And which is brilliant. I love that you so, did that. It, and, then, and then there's a snooze in Union Station. And if you stay at that hotel, you can get room service snooze. That is so cool. I did not know that. That was like the main reason because I was looking at that hotel and a couple others in the area and that hotel was a little like a little bit more expensive. And I was like, oh, I should just stay this other one. It's not quite as expensive. And I was like, yeah, but I can't get snooze room service in that one. I don't have to wait for snooze. Like, heck yes, I will sign me up. Everyone who doesn't know snooze is such a popular breakfast joint. In, in Denver. And they have them in like Colorado. They have a couple in Southern California. Yeah, I think they started in SoCal. They no, did. they started here and then they moved to SoCal, right? I, I think, think the so. other way anyway. around. But oh, yeah, okay. and but, but like anytime you go, unless you get there at like seven in the morning, it's an yep. hour wait every day. Hour wait for sure. So getting room service from Snooze is... <sighs> and your photo looked like it was delicious. Would it you was get eggs so Benedict? Good. Okay, so I got the Benedict, but the eggs Benedict, but you can get like two different types. So you could, they Ooh. have like five types <gasps> of eggs Benedict. So you can get a half and half. <gasps> right? I know. And then Brandon always gets the so breakfast good. pot pie, which is this like giant puff pastry uh, boat filled with sausage I love how gravy. Brandon just, yeah, can just eat all that. And then like an hour later, he's yeah. like, I'm hungry. Yeah. And then we like go downstairs to get coffee. And he's like, Are you going to get a snack? I'm like, No, I'm not going to get a snack. <laughs> just ate breakfast. <laughs> I love his ability to just put down snacks. Unbelievable it's my favorite. It's that, so great. Um, <laughs> Miles also like has to have a bedtime snack every night. And I was texting about one of my friends about it. And it, it's like a full on bed. Like he'll have like a whole banana and like some crackers and cheese and like some yeah. turkey. Like it's not just like, oh, can I have, you know, a couple bites a cookie or something. Or cracker, no, yeah. he gets like a whole like kind of meal before bed. Meal, yeah. And one of my friends, I was like texting something about it and she was like of course your child needs like a bedtime meal i was like yeah it's like you gotta get it you know i get those calories child yeah it's brandon's child brandon's child hollow leg as my grandma would say hollow leg i love that (laughs) so it was fun okay yeah we had a good time i would recommend it you would recommend which part I would recommend just like taking some time for yourself. I feel like after this past year, it's hard to want to do that and it's hard to feel like you deserve it. And I feel like we all Mm. get into this, again, like comparative suffering of like, well, I'm not going to take time for myself because not everyone can take time for themselves and I don't have it as bad as everyone else. And, you know, this money should go towards anything else other than just taking care of yourself. And, you know, we were lucky enough that, you know, we had the funds to be able to do something like this. And yeah, it's just, I highly recommend going and like, spend a whole especially if you're a parent I feel like it's been especially hard this year to like justify taking time away from your kids and now I mean we also it was the first time that we had left miles with my mom since before the pandemic because now she's fully vaccinated my stepdad is and so is my grandpa Mm -hmm. and I posted about this on Instagram stories but you know a lot of people were able to keep their parents in their bubble like I know you've been able to see your parents and stay with them a couple of times right because they live in the middle of nowhere right and we just weren't able to do that because you know, Brandon's job was so high at risk for exposure and my grandpa, you know, is so high risk for getting COVID that like, you know, he's 95 and like we just weren't, and then my own dad, you know, has a history of lung cancer. And so we just weren't able to see, like, and we live 40 minutes from my mom and 15 minutes from my dad. In yeah, normal times, like really we see close. them all the, all time. the time. And especially my mom. I mean, she normally comes over every weekend. Yeah, well, we I was going to say, you were seeing her at least once at a week, least if not once more. A week and sending the kids yeah. over there all the time. And so to lose that so abruptly, I don't think I realized, like, how much mm. I really missed it until all of a sudden we were able to bring Miles back over there. And I was like, oh, my gosh. <sighs> 
this just that is feeling. Un- and like they needed yeah. it too. You know, Miles. For I think sure. A big thing about about you know a lot of kids this year is that especially somebody like Miles, who's you know he's the older sibling. He used to go to school full time, and then now you know we didn't. We barely even enrolled him in preschool at all this year, and he really has gotten very little undivided attention. Mm -hmm. And that's really hard for a kid that age. You know, he needs undivided attention and it's so hard to give it to him when you also have a two-year-old in the picture. So it was really awesome for him to get to stay with her. And we didn't send Evie over there because, first of all, we just decided to keep her with Maxine. I'm so glad we have that option. But we were like, you know, she on the other side of that coin is that Evie hasn't been out of the house in a year. And I don't think she would have like slept at my mom's house. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Anyway. I'm so glad Miles had that too, because I know he and your mom have a special relationship Yeah, they too. really do. Yeah. So it was just so nice. And, you know, a lot of people responded to my Instagram story and they were like, this gives me so much hope. Like a lot of other people were in that same boat where they're really, really close to their parents and used to see them all the time. And then very abruptly just stopping it, you know Stop being able to do that and haven't seen them in a year. And it's like, we are really almost there. Yeah, we're almost there. And I, it made me think too about how we really have to make that only we can say what decision is best for our family and for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so I think the only time I would say, um, don't do that is when I see huge crowds in Florida, or even that news story in Boulder. I'm sure people didn't see that nationally. But there was oh, this there huge was like story a of like, student riot. huge student riot, like, mm-hmm. like huge party. And there's tons of people like in mass crowds. It's kind of like, yeah, you probably shouldn't do that. But I feel like that, you know, the decisions that we make, and we've talked about this before about like making decisions to travel in a pandemic and the judgment that comes with that. But at the end of the day, I do feel like people just need need to make the decisions and hopefully they're making them, you know, putting some thought into it. But I see now how hard it is to just make a simple decision where we used to just be like, oh, yeah, let's go on a trip. Now we have to have this huge evaluation around it, Mm -hmm. which can be really hard and weighing the pros and cons. But what I was thinking about lately as well is how hard it is. So two things. One, it's really hard for me to I've been, you know, anytime I listen to a podcast or, you know, go back and listen to old podcasts, I've realized that I can't listen to anything pre pandemic, where it's like a live interview where they're just kind of talking about life. And it's just normal life. There's mm-hmm. something about that that really bothers me that I'm like, Oh, my God, we had no idea it was coming. Kind of like that uh, marriage or mortgage episode where they taped it right before yeah. <laughs> the pandemic hit. Like, that's really hard for me because I'm just like, oh, that was just so, it's so far removed from that. And it's hard for me to not see life now without this huge pandemic that affected our lives. Um, the second thing that I've been, that's been on my mind is just how I am very scared and I feel like a lot of people will will relate to this. I'm very scared of when things go back to normal because I feel like I'm going to have this huge emotional letdown Mm. that I don't think I know is coming of like, I could easily see myself just being like, in a restaurant with my husband where people are around and I'm going to be like having dinner and just start crying to be like, wow, this is so normal. I miss being in a crowd. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past me to go up to people at a, you know, strangers at a table and be like, can I hug you? Like, I just want to hug strangers. <laughs> I'm sorry to interrupt. Can I hug you? You know, those types yes. of things are now that we're sort of seeing this move towards everyone being vaccinated and I know there's variants and there's worry about that, but I think there's, you know, the collective sigh of relief is coming of being able to say we're almost out of this pandemic and that we hope to be, you know, I listened to Biden's address a couple of weeks ago where he talked about being back to normal or, or at least being able to be with our loved ones on the 4th of July and, you know, being able to have that type of normalcy feels like, oh my gosh, we're so excited. But the emotion that will come with that, I mm-hmm. think is pretty heavy. And at least for me, I worry about that because I'm just like, oh my gosh, am I? I'm just going to break down and lose my shit. (laughs) 
Yeah, I probably, mean, and that's okay. I've, I mean, and even like I'm not that I'm, I'm not a big emoter, and I still have felt that way. Like, you know, when we dropped miles off, I didn't like get emotional, but I definitely felt like, wow, this feels like a milestone. Like I wasn't really ready for this to feel so impactful, and you know, I right. cried when Brandon got vaccinated, and. I think, totally. you know, I very well think I might like all those I little, get vaccinated. I just yeah. think that it's just like because we fell into this pandemic so abruptly, we didn't have time to process the things that we were losing. And of course, you know, a lot of us have had, I know I certainly have and you certainly have these, mo- you know, the various, various moments throughout the past year where you have these like little kind of miniature breaking points. Yeah. And it's like, but I still don't think that any of those have been a complete like catharsis of all these things that we lost. And I be, and I think part of that is not really fully realizing what we lost until we get it back because it went away right. so quickly that I don't right. think that we really realize like, wow, that's gone. And then when we get it back, it's like, wow, I really didn't even realize how much I needed that. Like a great example yeah. is what I was talking about um, a couple of weeks ago about being at CrossFit Roots for that first open workout. And it was like the music was playing. There were people everywhere. Like, you know, it was still distanced. It still felt safe, but it was like, this energy of that kind of Friday Night Lights energy. It was like, I had no idea how much I had missed this just like busy energy. Yeah. And it really did almost feel emotional. Like, wow, I can't believe that something like this that I used to, I knew that I enjoyed it, but I completely took it for granted. Mm -hmm. That being here and walking into this room and, you know, hearing the music playing, hearing the barbells hitting the ground, hearing the, you know, X, Y, Z, right? It's like, right? Like, it's the best sound. It really is. (laughs) It's the best sound. Yeah. So I don't know. I think, I think we're, we are all going to have those moments. Yeah. And I think it's, I mean, I know that there was a time when we had that initial discussion about, you know, going back to normal and we've been through this whole year of just disruption and upset and abnormalcy. And I don't think we will ever be, I know this has changed all of us and we will never be the same again. And that's not a bad thing necessarily, but I think now we can kind of see that light that we're moving towards of opening back up again and what that means and how we're going to approach that. I think it's, you know, some people will just go back to normal and that's fine, but I'm not one of those people. I think I'll take a lot of emotion with it and, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of being like, wow, what did we just go through? And it's kind of like, it's almost like a loss too. We, we are just in survival mode. And I'm not saying that like survival mode in the sense of just kind of moving forward because we're like, yeah. we just have to do what's in front of us. Once we get out of that, I think it's going to be a lot of like, it It could really take a toll on some of us emotionally. Yeah, so and just I, be aware of that too. I think that that's, you know, I think like these little pieces that come back. And I, I think the other component of that is that when it did first go away, we were kind of were all like, oh, it's going to be a couple weeks. And then, you know, it's just yeah. kind of like been that moving target this whole time. Like, oh, mm-hmm. well, you know, by the fall, it'll be okay. Okay, well, by the turn, by the first of the year, okay, well, you know, even I'm thinking of this like July 4th kind of target is like, okay, I don't want to think, get myself thinking like, we don't even want to get our hopes right. up. Right. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I think that's part of what it's, has made it so hard is being in the middle of it and truly not knowing what the deadline is. And, you know, if you had told all of us, okay, a year from today, you're still going to be doing this. I think, you know, we would have treated been like, yeah. That, yeah, that whole first couple of weeks a lot differently. I just was seeing <laughs> that like this past weekend was the one year anniversary of Tiger King coming out. <gasps> yep. It was like, this is the true pandemic anniversary. But guys, that feels like it happened a hundred years ago. A hundred years ago. I mean, we got cadet almost a year ago it'll right? be coming that's up on crazy. a year in april and that's so crazy to think about just because she was truly like our pandemic project because that was just like oh my gosh it's so fun to have a puppy in a you mm-hmm. know in quarantine and it's just, just such a good distraction and 
I'll never forget that too. But yeah, it feels like ages ago, ages ago. And how, yeah, yeah, a year ago, if you would have told us this, we'd been like, whatever, no way. And it also probably would have really dampened our souls. I think that it would have, I mean, I'm in a way, I'm glad that we didn't know that because I think it would have felt so much more intense of like, oh my gosh, you mean I'm not going to be able to see my mom for a year? Like, you know, that type of thing. But I just think that that's made it so much harder also. Yeah. And I don't want to get my hopes up either for July, but dare I say I trust this leadership and I don't think that they would put something out like that if they didn't really know what the plan was. But, you know, as a side note, I know I want to circle back to something I said last, the last episode was about being angry and that anger doesn't help. And as I was thinking about that a little bit more, I was like, actually, anger helps a lot sometimes. And so... You can turn anger into some productivity, not to say that you should like stay in your anger, but I took a lot of anger from 2020 about the administration Mm -hmm. and I was so, so angry and wanted to blame. And I think rightfully so there's times where you're like, if you're the freaking president of the United States, like do something, Mm -hmm. you know, there's like a level of just anger around that that I think about a lot where after this is all over too, I'm like, you know, there's a lot of people you could argue, yes, you know, Trump set all of this up so that Biden could put it into place. But I'm like, yeah, but he just, I don't think he would have had a plan like this. He just didn't have it in him to be this organized and structured. And he was too like, well, everybody gets to do what they want type of thing where I'm like, you can't do that in a pandemic. Like you can, you can't be that person in a pandemic. Like we need organization. I'm thinking a lot about how, if I feel those angry feelings that I can turn that into something productive, not mm-hmm. because I think there's, there's been a lot t- of times in my life too, especially as a woman where you're just like, not supposed to be angry, or you're supposed to get rid of your anger, or you're just to be angry isn't attractive, or whatever the crap that right. is put on us is said. And I'm just like, no, if I need to be angry, I'm gonna freaking be angry and at least turn that into some type of movement. I can't think of there was like a thought I had it and then it went away. And hopefully I'll come back. I agree. I think anger, it's I don't know, it's also just like the context. So speaking Speaking of anger, can I play like a snippet of the Joe Rogan episode? Are we allowed to do that? Because no. I want you to hear. We can? No, I don't think we can. No. Really? No, because it's t- copyrighted <laughs> material. All of our audio is copyrighted material. Oh, dang it. Um. Okay. So there's, okay. I will just briefly then review the second half of the Joe Rogan episode interview with Matt Fraser. And I posted this on my, on our stories I posted this on our stories like right after we recorded our episode from last week. So it wasn't in last week's episode. And I'd only listened to the first half of it. I promise, guys, I will listen to like whole things from now on. For some reason, I was just like three hours. I can't do it. But he and Joe Rogan talked a little bit about and this is I'm, I'm like paraphrasing. So go back and listen to it. It's like about the two hour mark. So if you just want to fast forward two hours that first of all, I don't like when people talk about their personal experience of having COVID when they are asked when they're when they're just dismissing it. Because, for example, Matt Fraser's like, yeah, I just got a cold. And I was like, working out every day. And I'm like, okay, so that is not everyone's experience. Like I get but they it's fine if you're like, oh, I was fine. Like I got it and I healed and I was fine. But to just kind of make it sound like it was just this like easy thing that you got over. Okay, that's so anecdotal. And for you to have this huge platform, well, to millions like, of listeners. For the way that he that they say it a lot of times is more like, oh, COVID as a whole is no big deal. I only got a head cold. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so 
I think because I know that that was where they were coming from too, that made me very angry. Where I was like, stop making it just sound like this passive thing that thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of people died from COVID-19. Like, why are you just being like, I just got a cold and I didn't actually, I feel kind of tired, but I was able to work out every day. Just like made me want to rage. And then the producer chimes in too and was like, yeah, I didn't really get sick either. So it's like, okay, fine. Are we going to like sit here and talk about COVID is no big deal. And then they kind of go into this like weight stigma, fat shaming, where they're talking about people who are unhealthy. He, he made a comment that like Matt Fraser didn't get sick because he was so healthy. I'm like, well, that's false because plenty of people who are very healthy got COVID and died. And so they start talking about this like health thing and how people who are unhealthy are more at risk. I'm like, are, are these facts? Like, where are you getting this information from? So they kind of started going off on this tangent that I did not appreciate, especially with Joe Rogan being the huge platformer that he is that I'm like, if you're going to talk about COVID and you're going to make like make these statements when millions of people are listening, have your facts straight. Mm-hmm. You know, like this was just like that made me rage so bad, especially about the health stuff about, you know, people who are overweight that need to lose weight in order to not die from COVID. I'm like, these are just all these are all not facts. And not only that, I just feel like in and of itself, the Joe Rogan podcast really preaches that like thin inspiration. Okay, and here's the thing, because I've, I I can already hear the like rebuttals of like, hey, the data shows that more people who are obese die from COVID than from other things. I think that it's so important to remember that obesity, which, you know, is nothing but a term to describe someone's BMI, yep. does not inherently mean anything about their health. Yes, it is can be more common to have obesity along with other comorbidities such as high blood pressure, asthma, diabetes. That being said, obesity in and of itself is not a predicator of almost anything that I can think of. And again, like I'm not a medical encyclopedia, but we as a society have become so ingrained into automatically equating obesity with with a lack of health and with sickness and with you know pre pre being predisposed to all these things and it's really there's so much more to the story than that than to just look than to just say like oh somebody's obese and therefore they're bound to be unhealthy the other right, thing right, that right. i found was really interesting and i haven't seen research on this on covid but i did see research on this on h1n1 when it first when covid was kind of first getting really bad they were they went back in the data because they were like you know see we have this like h1n1 data that people who were obese were more likely to die from h1n1 when they corrected the data for medical bias, that obesity cause completely went away. Oh, I believe that. That, you know, people are truly, there are so many studies out there that show that doctors are less likely to take you seriously, less likely to prescribe you medication, less likely to treat you for the thing you're there for and not try to treat your quote unquote, you know, like you for being overweight. The medical system is incredibly biased against overweight people and and obese people. So I just needed a soapbox for a minute. But because I can hear people's wheels turning like, but Joy, the the science is there. That's just my soapbox that we really need to consider the information that we're given about weight, weight bias towards really the way that it impacts any sort of data that we see because Mm -hmm. there's so much of it everywhere in the medical system. Yeah, and there's so much more than what we are being told or what patients are being told even. I highly recommend if you're not already subscribed to the Maintenance Phase podcast, they are so, so good. Michael Hobbs and Aubrey Gordon, she's an author. Well, she's a writer and she just, they both have, he also hosts um, You're Wrong About, which is one of the top podcast right now. But they have such 
great conversations about wellness, weight loss, debunking, decoded. And they originally were only going to do, I think, like five or six episodes, but it was so popular that they just keep kept going. But their conversations are just amazing. So highly, highly recommend um, just talking about fat stigma and a lot of really important things. Like they just did a whole podcast about Weight Watchers and I just really, really enjoy listening to those two. So that's another good one. And then I can wrap up with my new favorite trash reality show. Well, do you have anything else you wanted to say about Matt's interview? Oh, well, I think I think that was my main point was just how I raged about how they talked flippantly. And I think that's fine if you don't have millions and millions of followers. Like, I think you need to be a little more responsible about the messaging that you put out. Right. That like you can't. If you're going to have literally the most popular podcast in the world, you have to have a lot of integrity with what you say. Yes. And just at least be, and maybe that's just not who he is. I, I just feel like some of the I interviews he's done. If you have a million, yeah, millions and millions of people who listen true. to you, like, you know, that's the one thing that does kind of drive me crazy a little bit about podcasts is that people who have, and I think about like sort of influencer culture as a whole is that, and we've talked about this with like dietary, you know, people who call themselves nutritionists or health coaches and have absolutely no training is that people can have, unlike at any other time in history, these huge, huge, huge platforms for information distribution without having any real information at all. That's true. And there's no fact checking. There's no, you know, there's no like journalistic integrity. Like if you're a journalist and you knowingly disseminate false information, you are out of a job and no one's going to hire you again. This is very true. And then you end up with QAnon. Like, this is how it happens. Exactly. And that's not the case. Super irresponsible. Yeah. I'm not comparing Joe Rogan to QAnon. Please do not send me hate mail. But I'm just (laughs) saying that when he has a platform like that and he's just talking, I think sometimes he talks out of both sides of his mouth. And I think that that is something that he just really should be a little more responsible about when you're talking about COVID that has truly taken hundreds of thousands of people's lives. Don't just flippantly say that we should not double mask and that we should not treat COVID as a very serious illness. Like stop spouting your pseudoscience and talk to a a doctor. And then the whole fat shaming thing. And some people kind of wrote back and was like, he's not fat shaming people. I didn't see it that way. I'm like, I sure did. And I think because he is bro and he's broy, and his idea of health is thinness. I guarantee you yes, that is what exactly, he's, he's the type exactly. of person that will go. He is the type of person that will, and I haven't seen this, but I guarantee you he is the type, I'll put bets and money that he's the type of person that would go to a Lizzo post and be like, we're celebrating, like when, or when people are like, you know how she'll post things about like, I'm comfortable in my body and she'll just have like this, like everyone's like celebrating, like this is healthy, like health is health at every size. He will be the one that's like, I can't believe we're celebrating this. Like I told Jillian Michaels attitude too, where they're like, this yes. is objectively unhealthy. It I'm like, really? Is it? Are you their doctor? Yes. Are you their doctor? Yeah. Like anyway, so he's the type of person that will say something like that. So I think those are the things that I just, you know, if you right, wanted just to just skip ahead totally totally which you know you are sorry i'm gonna say it white privileged male that has never have to be sorry those are those are facts about him (laughs) and i think that that's the thing also that like i don't know and a couple people were like why do you hate joe rogan i was like i can't even put my finger on it he's just not a person whose perspective i feel like i need and that is a huge piece of it is that i just feel like there's this worldview that I just don't need more of. Well, and I feel, I don't know the guy, I'm sure he's nice, but I feel like his worldview is very limited and I would like to see him, I I don't know. Here's the thing. He has really interesting guests on and I do listen to some of his interviews. He's got really good guests on sometimes, but 
there's a little bit like going out of the lines that I think is a little irresponsible when you're when you have that platform. So I think that's where I kind of just I'm like, I don't know, take it or leave it some things that he says, it's kind of like, you know, listen to what you feel like you can take at take the good from and then like leave the rest. But I just think some of his message messaging, he needs to like get with the times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he needs to get with the times. He needs, he, you know, what he need, who he needs to have on, he needs to have on Wesley Morris from still processing podcast. He actually he should have both hosts of the still processing podcast on his show. And then I think I might respect him a little bit more. And if you don't listen to that show, you need to ASAP. All right, your new favorite trash TV show. New favorite trash TV show is Marrying Millions. I just, okay, so here's the thing. I I rarely watch trash TV. I watch it, but I rarely kind of like get to watch it. And hear me out. Because Scott and I usually watch shows together that we're like both like. And he will not watch like trash TV unless it's The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, which we both really enjoy because I don't think it's like too trashy. It's mostly really funny. But he went to his best friend's house who's in our bubble on Saturday night to just get out of the house. And so I was like, oh my gosh, I get to watch whatever I want with like no judgment, no huffing and puffing in the background, no being like, what are you watching? (laughs) (laughs) And I was just like, you know, scrolling around, found this show that I just like, okay, hit play instead of spending two hours like watching previews. And I'm so glad I did. It is like so ridiculously trashy. Um, It basically talks about people who are not rich and then marry someone who's a millionaire. They go through like four or five couples and their stories. And I, the first episode, I was like, this can't be real. So if you really want like a mindless, low stakes show that really does engage you in a way that's like the trash reality engagement, Marrying Millions is your show. I've heard a lot about Below Deck. That's my next show that I'm going to watch. So I've, I've realized and just come to terms and I will not feel guilty about watching trash TV, like reality TV. I'm like, I'm not going to feel guilty about no, this anymore. You don't have to. This is this is what I need to just like zone out. Yeah. I can like look at my phone and come back. And I, you know, I think I fell asleep for a whole episode. I came back. I knew exactly what was going on. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I need. I don't need to watch Nomadland right. and fall asleep and then like have to rewind because like, I'm like, oh, what happened? Like reality doesn't do that for you. It's always there it's for always you. It's always there for always, you with minimal amounts of engagement. Yes. And you never have to know. You always know what's going on no matter how many episodes you miss. That's so hilarious. you're welcome. We, All right. um, we started watching Waffles and Mochi. It's a very cute. Oh, that looks so it's cute. It's very cute. Okay. But guys, I have to tell you. If you think that all kids shows, if like your most exposure to kids shows is Pixar movies, Pixar movies are adult movies made for kids. Yes, they are. If you ever have to actually Agree. watch preschool TV, you're going to feel like you're on drugs if you're not used to it. One of my <laughs> friends was like, I tried to watch Waffles Emoji. It's so weird. I'm like, actually, it's remarkably cohesive as far as preschool TV programming is <laughs> right, concerned. Right, right, right. <laughs> so so if you're not used to it and you're going to dive in and you aren't used to preschool TV, it's pretty weird. But just know that that's the norm. All preschool that is the TV norm. This is, is all normal. Weird. It's <laughs> so good. All right, guys. Well, thank you for joining us this week. And you can follow us on Instagram at joyandclaire underscore. You can go to our website, joyandclaire.com. You can email us. This is joyandclaire at gmail.com. Don't you love how all three of those are different? Mm-hmm. Who is our marketing person? We got to fire them. <laughs> we need to fire them. <laughs> it's us. It's, it's, it's us. <laughs> We're fired. Uh-huh. All right, guys. <laughs> we'll talk to you next week. Love you guys. Bye. Bye.